Welcome, Whitewater. Wow, you, normally you guys are the awake ones. Normally this service is awake, the first service is awake today. Um, I want to welcome you. Uh, we say this is a place you can belong before you believe, and that's really an invitation to explore faith and to build relationships, even if you don't agree with what I believe or believe what we believe here at Whitewater. We're just so glad you're here, and we just want to help you take your next step on your spiritual journey. Uh, with that said, some people might be new today because we're starting our, we call our fall launch. It's a, where we launch a lot of new ministries and uh, our groups. And all. In fact, you can, you can sign up for a group or start a group if you go to the group up area in the back. Um, it's just a really exciting time for our church. But my name is George, if you don't know me. Uh, I'm married to the blonde bombshell that was up here. Not Caleb, but my wife, Sarah. And... Um, and she, uh, she gave me a kiss as I was coming up, so I'm like, I feel like energized, and I'm like so excited, and this is great. I could just, I don't even need to talk. I'm serious. No. <laughs> um, so uh, we're married, and we have uh, two kids. We have a five-year-old named Novella. Uh, and she just started kindergarten. Then we have a one-year-old uh, named Wesley, and he just started learning how to walk about three and a half weeks ago, and he's like trundling around. Yes, I use the word trundle. That's what he does. And um, I, I, I had such a fun time being a dad this summer. Um, when I was young, we used to have water fights all the time. My daughter didn't know how to have a water fight. And this summer, it was so hot, right? It was just, it was like in the 90s. How many of you guys had water fights? No one else? Okay, the Bedlam family. We will challenge any one of you to a, a water duel. And I, I said, Novella, you're going to learn how to have a water fight. And so what we, what we did is I, we went and got her water cannons. Do you guys know water cannons? It's the kind where you put into the bucket of water and you pull out and you fill this whole chamber with, with this like suction action. You pull this in and you have a whole water chamber filled with water and it just shoots a jet stream of water. I mean, it's incredible. And so I got the bucket out, got the water cannons. It's like, Novella, you have to pull and fill the whole water chamber and she got hers out and she was like eh, eh, eh. And she could barely pull it because it takes some force so she pulled a little bit she's like dad that's good I'm like no you need to fill the water chamber this is going to be a real water fight and she's like no it's fine and I was like this will be a life lesson for her <laughs> so I pulled the whole thing she pulled just a little bit and we stood like facing each other and she's kind of like what do we do next I was like so you can go first and then I, I'll go and she was like and she was when you have a water cannon do you hold it down why? Why do you not do that? It loses all its water, right? So you, I'm holding it up like this, and she's holding it down. So what little water she had is just like, it's just dribbling out. And then she like raises it, and she's like, ah! And it goes, Pff! And just like kind of, Pff! and then she kind of looked at me, and I was like, ah! And I just, all the years of being a kid and not being able to, and the inner child just came out with my daughter and just like, Pff! and the jet stream just went, Pff! all, I mean, just, hit her and she was like like this <laughs> head full body just like oh and then by the time it was like half empty she started running but those things can last quite a while so she starts running after she's already soaked and her whole her hair is blown back she's running in the grass i'm just following her though all those like <laughs> boom it was awesome i was like you gotta fill your water chamber a few days later, um, she was taking out the trash, and she called out from downstairs. She's like, Dad, I need some help. So I was like, okay. I ran downstairs, opened the door, and she was like, ah, with it, <laughs> filled with it. And she just, boom, just hits me. I'm standing there like her. I was just like, and then I start running, and she follows me as I'm running. She's like, I filled the water chamber. I want to talk to you guys today about 
three things. I want to talk to you about reservoirs and rivers. I want to talk to you about love and truth. And then I want to share my friend Nick's story with you. So there's the scripture in the book of Genesis. It's the first book of the Bible. And uh, God speaks to this man named Abraham, who he starts really what's known as the community of God. God uses this man and he ends up creating um, Israel, which is the community of God. And uh, he says to this guy, he says, I will bless you and you will be a blessing. And, and, and it starts this relationship that any of us who would follow Jesus, any of us who would begin to explore following Jesus and be part of a faith community, we actually step into the tradition of Abraham where we are blessed to be a blessing. I would, if you have your notes out, you could take those out. I would say it like this. We are blessed to become a blessing. We're blessed to become a blessing. And this series that we're in, We Bless, is all about that. Like, we're going to be in this series for three months. We're going to be looking at how to have personal blessing and be a personal blessing, how to be a local blessing, and we're going to talk about being a global blessing to the world that we're called to be that. And, and to wrap my mind around this concept, I think there's a, there's a, there's a depth to this. It's, God says, I will bless you to be a blessing. We are blessed to become what maybe we never thought we could be, and you can't be on your own, but when you receive from God, you're able to give. And there's this, there's this truth in the Christian faith that what God puts in your hands that you give to others, and what God puts in your heart, you, you let God use that and you give to others what God puts in your mind and the, all the blessings that come from him are, are not just given for us that we're not supposed to just keep that and be selfish but to give it away we're blessed to become a blessing and the way I think about it is reservoirs and rivers reservoirs and rivers you guys ever seen a reservoir just a big reservoir that's filled with water here's a here's an image of one and when I think of reservoirs I think of the human soul when I think of a reservoir I think now of the church and I used to kind of think man uh, a reservoir leave it on that one for a second it's so beautiful reservoirs powerful reservoirs um, release powerful rivers and I used to think, well, we want to be a river, not a stagnant pond, a river, not a reservoir. But the more I thought about it, it's like, no, 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 you need both, don't you? Like, we, there's this rhythm of receiving and giving, a breathing in and breathing out, of taking in God's blessing and giving them out. And, 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 a, and a rhythm of that creates a powerful reservoir that will release a powerful river. You and I are supposed to be reservoirs that release rivers of blessing in our lives. Amen. Um, you can show the next picture. I just think these are it's just so powerful to think of what can what can happen when there's when there's clear, clean, crisp water coming from a from a reservoir. But but nowadays, and I think in many people's lives spiritually, we can let the reservoir get under just kind of decline. We can let the reservoir diminish. And in fact, sometimes there can, if we're not spending time with the Lord individually, like the reservoir of our hearts and our souls can start to diminish and decline and, and we start going into drought. And, 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 and if you don't have, if you've got a really, really lame reservoir, you're going to have a really lame river. It's not going to be very powerful. It's going to be weak. And then sometimes we'll just let the, we'll just build, build and take stuff into the reservoir, but we'll never release anything. And so it gets stagnant. You ever seen a stagnant pond, a stagnant reservoir when it's just sitting and there's no river and there's no movement and it's just take in, take in, take in. It becomes stagnant. It becomes polluted. It becomes unhealthy. And so is the, the human soul. If we're not taking in from God and letting him pour through us, we become stagnant. We become toxic and we become selfish. And God wants us to be selfless and to release that and so this series is all about our 
church, you and me as individuals, receiving the blessings of God and giving the blessings of God. And I've been asking the question, what would it look like? This has just been haunting me recently. What would it look like if our church was so serious about the vision that God gives Abraham that, that we are to be a people uh, that receive the blessings from God and become a blessing? What would it look like to release our church, our church to be so filled with the hope of God, so filled with the love of God, so filled with his joy and his goodness that we, that we overflow and this mighty river pours out of us, that we would become a reservoir releasing a mighty river on, in our families, in our, with our coworkers, and with our communities. Like, what could God do? And it, and it catalyzes in my brain, man, it, what, what would it take for like, all of us to say, every one of us, the goal is for us to be a blessing. Every one of us, the goal is to be a reservoir that's filled and is, and is releasing this powerful river of God's blessing. Every one of us, every member on mission. You don't even have to be a, a Christian, but you can join in. And what would your life look like if it wasn't just about you and, and you joined into the Jesus way, even if you weren't even sure that that's what you believe, but you let God be a blessing. We partnered in blessing the world. What could happen in this fear-ridden world, in this place that's dark and there's, there's anxieties and, and there's, I think there's so much division these days. It's very dark. And what if we were a church that said, we are going to be a light. We're going to let God use us. I think, it, I think God, wherever people are willing to sacrifice, I think that's, that's where God puts his hand of blessing. And it might not be like a quid pro quo, like we get what we think we need or we want, but God uses us and he blesses others through us. Amen. It's like the chamber of the water cannon needs to be full to be able to have good jet stream. And so the beginning, like today, we're going to be talking about reservoir. How do we get the reservoir of our soul healthy and clean? How do we transform? And the question with We Bless that we've been asking is, is a simple question. It's like, how do, we, how do you change your world? In this world that we live in, divided, dark, duplicious, uh, deceitful. How do we change the world we live in? And um, there's a quote that I, I really like. It's, from, uh, it's, it's called The Unknown Monk. It's from the 12th century and, and he kind of answers this question of, what, like, how do I change my world? And it says this, when I was a young man, I wanted to change the world. I found it was difficult to change the world, so I, I tried to change my nation. And then when I found I couldn't change the nation, I began to focus on my, uh, on my town. And I couldn't change the town. And as an older man, I tried to change my family. And now as an old man, I, I realize that the only thing I can change is myself. And suddenly I realized that, if long ago I had changed myself, I could have made an impact on my family. And my family could have made an impact on our town. And their impact would have changed the nation. And I could have indeed have changed the world. It starts with, a, with me. It starts with you. Before it starts out somewhere else. And I, I think it would even be better said, not that I would change myself, but I would allow God to change me. That I would allow God to bless others through my life. Amen? And I want to give you a really tangible handhold here. Like, we really want our church to be a healthy, life-giving reservoir. A life-giving river requires, a life-giving river requires a life-giving reservoir. And so today we're focusing on the reservoir, and and we will be getting to the river, getting to the being a blessing. But, But how do you get healthy? 
How are you, you know, get rid of the stagnation, get rid of the, the low levels of, of life-giving water in your life and raise the level. How do, you, how do you do that? And one of the most intentional things that we have here at Whitewater is we have this thing called the journey track. And the journey track is, it's, it's, uh, to me, it's so powerful because it's all about, it's really a path to help you get healthy, have spiritual health. It's a, it's a path to, to personal spiritual growth. It's a path toward, if you uh, want to be a leader, it's a path to leadership. It's a path to membership. It's a path to change, and 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 it, we're going to be doing it a little differently this this uh, fall. We're changing some things up. We're going to do five weeks in a row. It's a five week class, and I, I want I, I have a vision to see as many people in our church go through it as possible because it's a place where you can find friends and, and start community groups or get connected to a community group. Whether you've been going here forever and in a community group, like come on out for this. We're going to be launching um, the journey track. Uh, which is a five-week class on October uh, October fourteenth. So it's in two weeks. And if you can't make Sundays, we 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 believe in this so much. We just have seen so much change in people's lives that we're actually offering one on Wednesdays. So if you need to do one on Wednesday or kind of flip a class, you can do that. But we we just want as many people there as possible to to really deepen the reservoir so we can unleash. We can really allow God to unleash the river of blessing. Does that sound cool? So on your uh, connection card, uh, pull that out and mark, like, I'm interested in the journey track. If you're wanting to grow and you haven't been growing, you want to learn, like, how do, how do I grow spiritually? How do I build deep friendships? How do I live a life on purpose? What is my, like, my shape and my, um, my calling? You'll learn all those things. And if you don't even know Jesus yet, it's the perfect place for people exploring faith. Mark it on your connection card, uh, journey track, and, and mark whether you want to come Sunday or Wednesday or you're interested in both. And do that. So how do, the question is, how do we allow God to change us? And the answer for me is love and truth. It's receiving the blessing of Jesus Christ. It all starts there to allow God to change our heart. Um, if you have your Bibles, you can turn here with me at John three sixteen and 17. If you don't, you can just follow along behind me on the screen. It says this, For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only Son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And sometimes I think church communities get, it's like they almost flip this. It's almost like the, the, the verse becomes, for God so hated the world that he gave his son. And we serve a God who moves for love, like God is love. He gives love definition. God is love, and he loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son so that we didn't have to be separated from him eternally, but we could have life with him eternally forever, a life of unending love and grace and growth and change with him. It's unbelievable. One of the things I've also noticed in religious communities, uh, Christian communities, sometimes we can, we can forget about verse 17, and I think verse 17 is the bookend to this. It, it shows us how God really loves, and it says this, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. What? Have you ever been in a community where it feels like the major goal is to make sure everybody knows how condemned they are? Like it says, Jesus did not come into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Like we're all broken. Every person in this, myself included, we are all broken. We're all coming to the hospital. The church is more like a hospital than a fashion show or a university, a place of learning. The, the church, is, it, it is in the business of transformed lives. It is a healing place. It is a hospital. Some of us have just gotten here earlier than others. 
but we've all been, have brokenness in our life. And, and we need Jesus. We need God's love to come in and, and change us. And, and we know we're broken. Like we all stand condemned because of sin and bad decisions in our life. But what we needed wasn't someone to go point out just the condemnation. We needed a savior. Jesus came to save us. Remember that. John 1.17 says this. The law was given through Moses. The commands were given through Moses. But grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The word for grace there, when you look at and break it down in the Greek, is, is, is like faithful love. It's loving kindness. It's this like unconditional, unending, amazing love. Love and truth come through Jesus. So what does love look like? What does truth look like? For the Christian, we always go back to Jesus. If you want to know what God looks like, look to Jesus. If you want to know what love looks like, look at Jesus. And I don't think there's any better place in Scripture than John chapter 8 that gives us a little snapshot, a picture of the love and truth of Jesus Christ. If you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 8, verse starting in verse 3. You can follow up um, behind the screen. And uh, if you don't have your notes out, you can, you can get those out and, and, and continue um, writing things down. Here we go. It says in verse 3, the, the scribes and the Pharisees, the religious people, the, the ones who have built their lives around the commands and, and condemning, they brought a woman caught in adultery, making her stand in the center. They put her in the center of all the men. They took this woman and put her in the center like uh, to ridicule her and condemn her. And they said this in verse 4, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of committing adultery. In the act? So where's the dude? Did any of you guys ask that question? Like, so where's the guy? They're like, oh, he didn't know. He's like, oh, you're not my wife. You know, like that's... <laughs> It's generally not how it works. And this is probably someone in their synagogue or maybe even a religious leader. Maybe he was a Pharisee themselves and they're like, oh, he was just making a mistake. She was the one, the she-wolf, the, the tempstress. And they're putting all this blame on her and all this shame on her and putting her at the center of shame, condemnation, and ridicule. And, and it says this, uh, we caught her in the act of committing adultery. Uh, we don't know where the guy is. In verse 5, in the law of Moses, it commands us to stone such women. That they deserve to die. So Jesus, what do you say? How would you answer them? You ever had someone ask you a trap question? Whenever it happens to me, I just yell, trap! <laughs> and then I run. <laughs> My wife's good at asking those trap questions. <laughs> Did you do the dishes today? Trap! <laughs> they, asked, they asked this, it says, to trap him in order that they might have evidence to accuse him. And Jesus then doesn't answer them directly at first. It says this, Jesus stooped down and started writing on the ground with his finger. If you have uh, knowledge of the, of the Jewish Torah, if you're from that culture and you were re- to read John, that's really significant when he said he stooped down and began writing in the dirt with his finger that would, that would remind you of a few things that the God out of the dust created humanity. The God who created humanity is in front of them. And the God who created humanity also gave them the Ten Commandments by which they're condemning this woman. They're using the commandments to condemn her. And it, it says in the, in the Old Testament that the finger of God wrote the, the Ten Commandments on the stone tablets. And the finger of God that wrote those tablets, those commandments, is the finger that's writing in the, in the ground right in front of him, stooped. 
And I imagine that he's writing the Ten Commandments out. Because that's the same finger that did it. He's writing, in my imagination, he's writing that out. And as he's writing the commandments, they, 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 they say to him, they, when they persisted in questioning him, he stood up and said to them, the one without sin among you should be the first to throw a stone at her. Then he stooped down again and continued writing. I think he was like in the middle of it and then he had to, he had to finish. He's like, thou shalt not covet. Because they had, you know, adultery and we caught this woman and, you know, I think he wrote out all the things. Don't worship other gods. Don't steal. Don't commit adultery and don't covet. He was, I, that, that hand, whoa, your kids I'm pretty sure are fine. <laughs> <laughs> Something, something amazing is happening up there. <laughs> so, when he stoops down, he continues writing. And when they heard this, get this, it says they left one by one, starting with the older men who recognized their brokenness. I think the older you get, the, the more, I, I, I think the wiser you get as you get older, you realize how broken you are and how much you have messed up. And you, you see where you messed up and you never thought it was a mess up. And they start... They start leaving, and then everyone all of a sudden is gone. Only he was left with the woman at the center. She starts at the center with shame and condemnation and ridicule, and she ends at the center with Jesus' love. Get this. Don't miss this. When Jesus stood up, he said to her, Woman, where are they? Where are the ones who are condemning you, the ones who are using the commandments to condemn you? By the way, who has the right to condemn because they've never violated a commandment? Jesus. So what's his reaction? Does he use the the commandment to condemn? Has no one condemned you? No one, Lord, she answered. Then neither do I condemn you. Because Jesus did not come to condemn. What did he come for? To save. And Jesus says, go. And from now on, sin no more. Be free. Be free of your old identity. Be free of that sin. You can be free of it. You can be forgiven. This is one of the most powerful stories because isn't this love and truth in action? I came to save, I forgive, I'm freeing you. But go sin no more, be free of that. And so he doesn't doesn't just let go of truth and hold on to love. He doesn't let go of love and only hold on to truth. And and I'm afraid in our day and age, like like people grab a hold of one or the other. My daughter um, came up to me with one of her dolls, like the one that, like, it's when it's laying down, it's got its eyes closed, and then when it comes up, it's like this. <laughs> you know that one? She's like, how should I do its hair? And I was like, I know, you should do it purple, because that's her favorite color, and, and it's yeah, the huskies, of course. And, and I, she was like, how about my hair? I was like, do it purple. And she was like, Dad, you know a lot about church, but you don't know much about hair. <laughs> she, uh... She spoke to my heart. A lot of truth. It didn't feel very loving. But I think there's a generation that is beating people down with the Bible in the name of truth. I think there's also a generation that are, that are now um, setting the Bible aside in the name of love. And what that tells me is that, that people aren't in an experiential relationship with Jesus and they're not reading about Jesus. They don't really understand. They might know the scriptures. They don't understand them because we don't set aside the Bible. We don't set aside people. We love with truth. Truth comes wrapped in love. Truth comes wrapped in Jesus Christ. 
We cannot let go of that. Jesus came to establish a community of truth and love. So any one of us who are thrown out in front of people and are like we feel ashamed and our sins there and we're broken and, 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 and we feel like we're unworthy and we, we can be in a community that says you're loved but go and sin no more. Amen? What happens without truth? You see humanity begins destroying every aspect of the human soul, everything that's good, because people are living into lies and into deception and hurt one another. And the reservoir gets stagnant and polluted and, and empty and it weakens the river and it's, and it's a polluted river that flows up. But what happens without love? Without love, like the reservoir just grows stagnant and nothing goes forward. It's selfish and it's sick and, and we, need, we need love and truth. Love without truth is meaningless. Love without truth is meaningless. Truth without love is just mean. Can I get an amen? We stand with Jesus at the center, putting others into the center with love, not condemnation. I've even seen some Christians, friends, start using Jesus to condemn, just like the Pharisees were using the Bible to condemn. Jesus came to save. The Spirit convicts. And we do speak truth in love. Love transformed us. So how can we be transformed by love? I want you to watch a video of a story of my friend named Nick. kind of hothead, you know, whatever. Been in lots of fights in schools. I moved a lot and had a mouth on me. I'd always had this friend trying to get me involved in martial arts. Hey, you should come. You should come. I will never forget. It was Alan Mann. 130 pounds, 135 pounds, and just mauled me. It was the most humbling experience of my life. Growing up, um, I was just my own boss, so to speak, you know, my own, did what I wanted, when I wanted, where I wanted. Buddies of mine growing up, we didn't have fathers in our lives. I was really cynical towards my dad, but over time, I started to understand, like, okay, I get it. Like, my dad didn't have, he didn't have no role model, no male. He just followed the patterns he did. I just followed the patterns I knew. Ashley, who's now my now wife, started dating. She was a Christian at the time, and I was a non-believer. And Jeff Wall, a local pastor, agreed to meet up with me. He was kind of had the mindset, I'm going to scare this punk off or whatever from Ashley, because he knew Ashley. So I went, and we just built a good good relationship. And he was like the best mentor, best father figure, best. He was just a true leader. You don't think it means that much to be loved on like that until, <laughs> until something pours into you like that. And you're like, whoa, what is it with this guy? Why is he so radically different, you know? And he's like, all I have, Nick, is the gospel. That's all I have. He said he had known this guy that was in the military. Their barracks of guys uh, went out on a mission, and it was massive, uh, massive casualties. A bunch of people died, and uh, one of the convoys that they were in or whatever had blood and guts and just... It was terrible. And the guys got back to camp, and um, instead of having everybody clean it up, 
like they usually do. He said the, the captain or the sergeant at the time um, said, you guys go to bed. I'll get this. Cleaned it all up. He's like, that's leadership. Oof. At the time, I thought leadership was like uh, the toughest guy on the hill, you know, the big, the biggest guy, the, the you know, like the baddest whip, whatever, you know. So it was just a paradigm shift, and so that kept that that theme kept reappearing in the gospels, reappearing in the gospels. He said, the summary of the gospels is we're more sinful and flawed than we dare to admit, even though we're more loved in Jesus and accepted in Jesus than we dare to hope. I was broke down in tears like a little baby. Here I am, this MMA fighter, you know, and whatever. I was just, I, I couldn't stop crying that whole day. I'm still broken, flawless, all those things, right? Like, I get it. Knowing no matter how many times I fail, it doesn't matter. Uh. I look at my son and I'm just like, man, see little me, you know, the most horrible, wretched thing that he's ever done in his life. Ugh, <laughs> in love like that is just like, man, I want to leave a legacy like that for my kids. You know, not, I don't want my kids to come from a broken home. It makes me want to love people better, serve people better, lead people better. Doesn't that just blow you away? I mean, that's every person's story in here. Love changes us. It changes us as individuals. It changes us right where we're at. Um, I love that Nick said this. This this quote is just so powerful to me. It's just resonated like all week with me. But um, it's simply this, that we're more sinful and flawed than we dare to admit. But we're more loved and accepted in Jesus than we could ever hope. Just think about that. Let that sink into your heart and sink into your soul. Like love and truth changed Nick. And he's searching for a father. He's searching for love. And he was fighting his whole life for that. And all he had to do was receive it. He, that kind of love and that kind of truth, like you got a guy who's, who's taking care of you and beating you down at the same time. Beating down the ego and building, you, building your heart up. And I, I said, you don't know that. He said, you don't know that kind of love until someone pours into you like that. I wonder if there's someone here today that needs to be poured into like that. Like the, the, the gospel means that like God's love and truth doesn't just change Nick, doesn't just change me, it changes you. I don't care where you're, you came from. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what brought you here. Like I don't care what, what you've done to make your life look good and make it look like everything's great. Every single one of us in this building are broken. Me, first of all. Like we are broken people. We are a community of brokenness. But we are loved by God. We just got to the hospital, some of us, before others. But we've all received from, from Christ if we're walking with Christ. And, and my invitation to you today would let him pour into you. You don't have to be, continue fighting for love. You can receive it. Let, let Christ pour into your life. 
This just means that, that we, we can change. It frees us to lead and to sacrifice. It, his love changes the patterns of our past. We don't have to live what our, what our forebears and the former generations lived. And we can have hope, hope for ourselves, hope for our children. We can know deep in our guts that like God is and will change me. Some people li- live like, like they're on this repeat pattern, like God can't change me. L- listen here, like all of us are broken. No matter how much you hide it or how successful you are in other people's eyes, God sees your brokenness. But he also sees what you will become in him. And he wants to fill the reservoir with his love. I also love there's this radical and and amazing acceptance and inclusion in the the community of Jesus. And anybody who follows him, and and, and notice that in the story of Jesus where he is, is confronted by the Pharisees, what does he do with the woman that's condemned? He saves her, he protects her, he doesn't shame her. And at the middle of the circle that of shame becomes the, this, this circle of love. That's the community of Christ. And our world needs that more than ever now. So let me ask you, will you let Christ pour into your life today? Will you take a step of faith? God brought you here for a reason. Like a living faith is a real faith. We don't just come here to listen and walk out and live our lives. We come here to be transformed. We come here to let God fill the reservoir of our souls and our hearts up with his love. Would you let him pour into you today? Would you take that step of faith I want to give you an opportunity today to respond to his love, to receive his love and be changed by his love. Would you you pray with me a prayer of faith? And you could have, you could be a Christian, you've been following Christ for a while, and you might need to just re-up or get your heart right and say, Lord, would you fill the reservoir? That, pray this prayer if that's you. But you might be here, a friend brought you, or you were drawn here, you don't even know why you're here, and, and you've never t- taken that step of faith. And Jesus takes you as you are. I love Nick's quote. Coming to Jesus, praying a prayer of faith is all about this. We're recognizing we are more sinful and flawed than we dare to admit, but we are more loved and accepted in Jesus than we dare hope. If that's you today, you just need to receive the love of, of, of Jesus in, in, a, in a way that you've never had before, in a new way, or a first time way. Would you receive that? Would you pray this prayer with me? Would you bow your heads? Would you say this after me in the quiet of your heart? Dear God, I'm more sinful and broken than I dare to admit. Because of Jesus, I'm more loved and accepted than I can ever hope. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Would you forgive me and free me through your love and your truth? Come into my life. I give my whole life to you the best that I know how. Amen. Would you keep your heads down just for a moment? If you prayed that prayer in your heart, wherever you, would you look at me? Would you look up to me? I see you. So grateful. God is doing a work in your life, in your heart. He will change you. Those of you who are looking at me, would you, let me give you this next step. Would you come talk to me and let me know that you took a step of faith today? If you're looking at me, if you are scared to come talk to me or you've got to run out of here, would you mark that on your connect card and, and, and mark your name on that so we can pray for you, we can follow up, because I want to help you with the next step uh, of your faith journey. I want to I pray for you. Would you let me know or mark on your Connect card? Make that commitment. 
Um, I'm so happy. I'm so grateful for you. Everybody, go ahead and uh, look up. Can we give a hand to the people who have received some grace and truth? so excited about this series guys we're just getting started you're not going to want to miss next week and we are going to learn to be a church that is filled with a powerful reservoir that God uses to release a river amen all right let's stand and sing